On R2C2, CC Sabathia and Ryan Rucco guide listeners through everything going on in the MLB, NBA, and NFL. They also talk to friends, athletes, and celebrities about the world of sports and much more. Check out R2C2 with CC Sabathia and Ryan Rucco on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the mismatch presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states or 18 plus in D.C. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by Nissan. It's time to start getting excited about the journey and not the destination with the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder. Built to navigate you to some of Earth's most inspiring spots with seven drive modes and all the power you need. Get the thrill of the drive in every moment of your journey with the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. Welcome to The Mismatch. I'm Chris Vernon. Joining me as he does every Friday from TheRinger.com is Kevin O'Connor, a.k.a. Kevin O'Bomber, Kevin O'Concert, Kevin O'Candyland, Kevin O'Camera, Kevin O'Kindness, Kevin O'Blazarian, Kevin O'Climber, Kevin! Verno! It's Friday. What's up? It is Friday, and we've got a bunch of stuff to talk about. Uh, Let's start with last night. Giannis came back, so that was nice to see a star uh, back in a lineup because... There have been a lot of stars missing a lot of games this year, um, but he was back and Drew Holiday put the handcuffs on Trey Young. And, you know, it's it kind of felt like one of those like, okay, here is the difference between at the moment who was the third seed and who was the four seed. And so if you want to see the drop-off between the two. And I know the the Hawks don't have everybody back yet, but also when Giannis is in that lineup, that Bucks team is going to be right there as one of the favorites. And we'll talk about a couple other teams that have certainly been very good as of late, but uh, it's just good to see him back in the lineup because unfortunately that has been a story of the year, which is the extreme superstars missing a lot of time. Yeah, so it was nice to see Giannis back, and Drew Holiday had himself a heck of a night on the defensive end of the floor. According to tracking data, held trade a one-for-nine shooting with five turnovers when Drew Holiday was the primary defender against him. And, you know, tracking data, it's not always the fact that it doesn't always detail exactly what happened in a play, but he right. made life on Trey and it is illustrative of that. And it was, you know, could be seen just by watching the game with your own two eyeballs. I mean, Chris, isn't this sort of the appeal with the Milwaukee bucks that you yes. have all these different types of weapons for different types of matchups? Like drew holiday is that guard stopper. Mm-hmm. And you do wonder if it, it's not as big a deal with Philly, but it is a big deal with the nets. Brooklyn. If you are going to face them, that you could deploy Drew Holiday on either Kyrie Irving Mm -hmm. or James Harden. And it's not about shutting those guys down. It's about making those guys inefficient, right? About making them, if they're going to get 28 points, that you want them to do it on 25 shots, Mm -hmm. right? That you're making them go seven for 28 and then get some, and then pair up the free throws with it. Um, and sometimes and throwing is, them off rhythm too, yeah, just like the and, offense gets thrown off. That's right. And he's the kind of guy that there's very few of those in the league. And interestingly enough, Simmons is another one. So two of the highly ranked teams in that Eastern conference actually do have elite level defensive guards that you can deploy at this offensively 
powerful Nets team. For sure. And that's going to make things very, very interesting come playoff time when that comes. Because, I mean, people often talk about, you know, who stops Joel Embiid, you know, which big man can stop Joel Embiid. Not a lot of talk about, well, who can stop Kyrie Irving? Who can stop James Harden? Like when you talk about a net Sixers series, but the Bucks are that team sort of in the middle of that conversation. They're the third team right now in the East. Well, well, they have they have Giannis, the big guy who can stop multiple positions, and they have Drew Holiday, the smaller guy who can also stop some bigger guys. Chris Middleton, who's a very good defender in his own right. They do have those players that can match up against those different types of bigs. And, you know, not that Giannis would be on Embiid, but you could see it happen in a pinch. You know, maybe if you do have Giannis at the five for some stretch or whatever. So Milwaukee, they have sort of been the, the they're the old flavor. Mm-hmm. People are looking at the Nets now. People are looking at this, you know, Sixers team with Embiid even better than before. But Milwaukee with Drew Holiday, man, he's not the big name, but he could be the difference for them. Well, and I happen to have the, I had TNT still on last night when they were doing the walk-off interview, and it was with Brooke Lopez. That's who they were talking to. And so, Your favorite Sha- player, Chris. Yeah, Shaq. <laughs> he was good last night. Shaq and Charles were asking their questions, but one of the things that they talked about at length and, and Lopez talked about was this whole idea that they have been uh, very overlooked. They are the old flavor, but... His point was, and I think theirs was too, that he thinks there could be a significant difference in playoff basketball for the Bucs this year because of Drew Holiday and because of P.J. Tucker. That's kind of what they brought up. And then Lopez talked about it, who's now been in the league a long time. He's been on a lot of different teams. But I, I, I am persuaded by the idea that things... If, if you want to convince me things are going to be different for the Bucks in playoff basketball this time around because they have Holiday and because they have Tucker and those kind of veterans that can really log minutes for you, I I am. I am persuaded by that. I, I buy that. And, and, you know, this whole season, we've talked about this. Milwaukee's experimenting. They're using the regular season as essentially a, like – pre-playoffs, you know, prepping for the playoffs with trying different schemes on offense, having a guy in the dunker spot rather than having four out spacing. They're having uh, defense more switching more frequently, especially in lineups where Brooke Lopez isn't on the floor. And, you know, not a lot of a sample here, but when you do have Giannis and you do have PJ Tucker on the floor with Holiday and Middleton and some combination they're switching way more screens than they ever have before. And sometimes it's not effective. Sometimes they're screwing up and there's the, the timing's not right on the defensive end and guys are getting open opportunities because they're still learning it. But the fact that they're doing that now and, you know, ironing out those mistakes and those wrinkles that they have on defense, that could really benefit them come playoff time, especially with PJ Tucker back now. And if PJ Tucker is able to bring, all his experience and all his intelligence from all his years doing that with the Houston Rockets at a very, very high level, plugging that in with Giannis at the five and Tucker at the four, and then, you know, mix mix and match, you know, the other guys on the floor, they can be that team that can shape shift to play different ways. You know, and they, they, those two, they bring a, they bring a level of toughness. They bring a level of intensity. They're like winning play players those two both holiday and pj tucker when the going gets tough those guys are they're there for it and you juxtapose that versus what they've had go i mean come on man eric bledsoe got punked out by terry rogier for god's sakes <laughs> that's what they've been going to the playoffs with you know what i mean that but that is yeah. the significant difference is that you do need some rough and tumble guys you need some guys that are that are tough um and that are there for the fight. And there's no question Tucker and Holiday are that. And I do think that it could very well lead to a very significant upgrade in their performance uh, in the postseason. Uh, playing off of that, I do want to mention, we talked about this on Tuesday, about how the Jamal Murray thing and the James Wiseman thing were unfortunately going to highlight injuries. And the fact that there were an immense amount of games and a lot of minutes logged for Murray in a very short amount of time in the midst of Denver playing six, uh, six 
games in eight days' time. Um, there have already been articles since we spoke about injuries and whatever else. And I was fascinated the, the Baxter to Holmes see, one on ESPN, right? Yeah. There yeah. was the Baxter Holmes one. And then the NBA uh came out and said the injury rate is down this year. Uh they say that the rate of players needing to miss games because of injuries is down from last season and within the normal range for what the league has seen over the last five seasons. League data shows that player injury rate this season is down about six percent. Um, even though, and I think this is a, a major point, several marquee players, including LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Kevin Durant, Joel Embiid, James Harden, and most recently, Jamal Murray, have dealt with injuries in the recent weeks. Also, and I do think that that is a big part of this, Kev, is that it's it's who got injured this year that is is making this a huge topic. And it, look, I just named all these stars. Think about that. We guess what? We also lost the rookie of the year and we lost the second pick in the draft. Yeah. In Jay's wife. So yeah. I mean, it's not like we've lost the superstars and the big time rookies this season. And so it does kind of highlight. Now, I would say that, okay, that's fine. You could say the injury rate is down, but overall, but guess what? These stars, they're the guys that play the most minutes. You're also not having practices. You're also many cases, many cases, not even having a shoot around. So you're not having shoot arounds. You're not having practices. Like there's a, there's a lot of things that are going on this year that are not normally going on. Also, in a league of 400 and some odd players, 147 have missed time for COVID protocol. So that's over a third of the league, you know, has missed time this year or have been in the safety protocols. And so I don't know. That's I, I a crazy amount, dude. I know. It's wild. I know. 147. Yeah. Unreal. That's, I mean, interestingly enough, uh, I mean, yeah, there's, there's teams, all, the Celtics have lost the most by a decent margin. Mm. They have lost the most player games to, uh, to COVID protocol this year. Um, but 147 is the number. I mean, yeah. it, it is crazy. And, and, you know, on the note about the, the NBA saying the injury rate is down overall, right. um, Jeff Stotts, who runs a great, great website in street clothes where he tracks and analyzes injuries and all that, um, he said since the 0506 season, there have been about an average of three in-season ACL tiers per season. This year, there's been four. Jamal Murray's is the fourth. And he said the highest number was seven back in the 2012-2013 season. That's the year when Rajon Rondo, Barbosa, Lou Will all tore their ACLs. So at four right now, it's not too much higher than the three. And uh, you know, than the average. It's well, well within the range margin for error there. So, I mean, it's it's very very hard to to connect. You know, the amount of games with you know player injuries and all that. But with that said, though, the way I look at it, and I, I think I, I think this is fair. I'm curious about your thoughts, Chris. Is the NBA for a long time was talking about like with health and safety in terms of limiting injury risk, having more time between games for a while. That was the conversation, and then suddenly. It can't be that way. And, and I wonder now, moving forward with the NBA, will they revert back to that? Because um, it sounds like we could be having another shortened off season. Well, maybe not, though, because if no. you start the season again in mid-October, you're having another shortened off season. It is but, a shortened but you go back to, to yes. the normal schedule, though. Yeah. And here's why. Here's, here's the reason they will. Is because, okay, so if you take a step back and you say they put out this article saying um, that injuries are even down a little bit or whatever, despite the fact that I, and I would contend, A, you have a tremendous amount of superstars that are ones that got hurt, and it stands to reason that the guys that are playing the most minutes are at the greatest risk <laughs> to get hurt. So you've had a lot of those big names get hurt. B, you are not having your shoot-arounds and your practice times and all your other basketball like you normally would. Um, so there's another thing. And C, 
You've got guys sitting out games all the time. I mean, so yeah, your injuries are down, but you've also got a problem here where you've got a bunch of guys and it's not highlighted as much because you, as a, as a father, um, who, who, like there, there are tons of kids that my son goes to school with that when they get, when it gets to Christmas time, they will ask for tickets to go see Kevin Durant or LeBron James or Steph Curry when they come to town. And sometimes you're a parent, you're spending $500 for a family of four to have tickets to that game. And it, hurts when yeah. those players aren't there. That's the big moment for for that kid and I don't want to get all sappy about all oh, it's all for the kids but yes that is what the NBA does survive on fandom and that is not highlighted this year because there aren't people in the stands and you don't have that pressure that you normally would if you're going to an opposing arena to perform that night because there are, in many cases, 17,000 people that paid and a lot of them are there because you're there and you're going to be playing tonight. So that pressure's off. And then, in addition to that, the national TV thing, which is guys taking off and we just had this happen this huge matchup right we're gonna have philly in the nets and kevin durant stopped playing in the game right and so you have national tv and so the reason i and it's a long-winded way of saying the reason it's gonna go back kev is because a they cannot have those stories of guys sitting out uh in these opposing arenas all the time uh like they have this year because it will matter because fans are going to be there. And the other thing is they will step in and they will say, we can't have our marquee players not playing in national television games. And so their cost of doing the season like this has been guys sitting out and it has hurt the in-person product, which isn't big a deal, but it has hurt the TV product which is the only reason they're doing this in the first place. Yeah. (laughs) Isn't this kind of the challenge for the NBA now? Because you, on one hand, you, you need to make the regular season more meaningful. So players have more reason to play. And so fans are getting what they're paying for, what they're investing their time into, what families are sitting down on the couch for, going into the city to see a game for, spending $500, like you said, for a fun night out. You know, Um, on one hand, you have to do that. On the other hand, you know, I think Mark Cuban sort of alluded to this because of the play-in tournament and the fact that the games do matter more for some teams and that there's more pressure for guys to play instead of getting rest, that with the condensed schedule, that guys are maybe at an increased injury risk. So, like, there's a push and pull between making sure that star players are available as often as possible, but also making sure that they are as healthy as possible so they do not miss extended time. And, you know, it's a, it's a difficult balance for the NBA. And, and, and I look forward to, you know, seeing how things develop over the next decade. Because don't let's not forget here when Adam Silver first proposed that when the NBA first proposed the play in tournament, it also came with a proposal for an in-season tournament. Remember that that has been brushed away. Not really part of the conversation anymore, but very clearly that is part of silver and the NBA league office's vision for the future is to have something that's very meaningful in the middle of the NBA season. And whether that ever happens or not remains to be seen, but it's clear that the NBA is trying to create more meaning, which would give fans more reason to see games and players more reason to play. But that could also, you know, increase the load on players. And depending on where you fall on that, it might depend simply if you're on the team side yeah. Or not on the team side. And well, most people just, on the team it's side. It's just exasperated this year. I think it'll be fine when we get back to a normal so season yeah. next year. You're I not agree. playing six games in eight days. This is ridiculous. Yeah, it is. Exactly. It it's is. Ridi- it is ridiculous. It is. The Miami's in the middle and, and Memphis is in the middle. They're going to play like seven games in 10 days. It's ridiculous. It, it is. I mean, it, who, it's who, disappointing. Who? Who is supposed to be able to make it through that unscathed? That's like an AAU tournament schedule. Yes. You know, it's just too much, too much. It's too much. You know what I mean? Um, let's get it's to some like, other stuff that yeah, took place. It, it's it, they, they need to change that next year. And like, well, that's, why the, that's why the mid-October start is likely. 
Yes. And also probably important, despite no, the short off season again. It's much better to have a shortened off season and get this thing back to normal where you're not. They weren't even playing three and four nights. They're playing six and eight now. One, one quick other thought, though. To me, the easy solution is a November start. I know you're a little bit off from getting on to tr- on track to October, but at least you give yourself one more year to evaluate. Do we want to push this to December? Do we want to push it back to October? November is a middle ground where it keeps the normal offseason length, but it also gives you flexibility moving forward to make the change. And you can still have a normal length schedule. You could have the season end in July instead of June. Yeah, you one can year, forget about that. You can forget about yeah, that. It sounds like it'll be mid-October. <laughs> they're, they're doing oh, yeah, mid-October. Yeah, they're going to wedge they it. Are. They are wedging <laughs> the, the, that thing in. The NBA got scared off. They want to do October. A couple other things from last night. Uh, the Steph Curry crazy run continues. Oh, my God. Um, you know, they're 500 team, and you just see it's every night now recently. It's like 35, 50, 33, 42, on and on. And I will say, uh, I, I saw, I noticed when I was uh, looking through stuff this morning, the uh, the three-point attempts were extreme last night, Kevin. So <laughs> in Dude, terms I'm of what we're... You. What we were talking about the other day, um, he put up 13 of them last night in their win against uh, Cleveland. But again, it was another 33 points in 34 minutes for Steph Curry. And as I mentioned, this run that he is on, if you go back, this is just April, okay? Since we're at April 16th right now, 36, 37 41, 32, 30, <laughs> 38, 53, 42, 33. Hmm. What in the hell? Chris, don't take Stephen Curry I mean, for granted. <laughs> hold on. I got to go pull this up. All right. So what is he? He's averaging 39. Yeah. In eight 39 games. for the month. Shooting 48% from three on 13.4 attempts from three per game 39 <laughs> points per game Chris, 39 points a Chris, game the last four games since April 10th averaging 15.5 three-pointers per game 15.5 <laughs> I want to see it higher oh I want more <laughs> I want more <laughs> you know he's not that he's not that far off if he can if he could somehow get that he's got to get one percent higher on the field goal to have another 50, 40, 90. But at, yeah. this, at this volume, it's unreal. I mean, to be shooting almost 50% from the field and 42% from three for the season <laughs> at the volume and attention level yeah. that he gets, yeah. he's got to run around all the time. <laughs> um, 39 points per game. That's insane. That is insane. Over it's, it's and it's beautiful. not like the sample gets bigger. Mm-hmm. He gets you know he, it's eight games now. If he averages like there's a there's a world where he averages forty points a game for a month. I mean, it's not could. that it, it's not that crazy, he, dude. He could think that could month? happen mm-hmm. at this point. Which Average is thirty nine the last four games? <laughs> Outrageous! <laughs> Dude, Outrageous! This, this guy, this guy's obscene on the court. It's something else to watch. This, Absolutely watch this guy play. Oh, uh, man. So the step thing continued last night. Uh, the Celtics have gotten going, Kevin. Um, Celtics have gotten going in a really nice way for them, and. Jalen Brown was just absolutely off the charts last night. I know you tweeted about it, but this has been kind of the last couple of weeks. We've talked a lot about how much Tatum has turned up and how great he has been. In fact, he was the reigning Easter conference player of the week. Um, but last night it was one of those moments where you see them play the Lakers and you think, you know, it's not just if, Tatum goes off, uh, you know, they're going to be in good shape. And if he doesn't, they're dead. Yeah. They've got another mm. guy that at least we saw uh, last night, a great example of he could be the one that goes really big in a game. And having two of those guys is a much different world than having one of those guys. It gives you a chance. Yep. 
gives you a chance. And and that's the thing with the Celtics team. And we've talked about it. We just talked about how this is a weird year with so many missed games. They've had the most games missed due to COVID protocols. I, I, I don't really care too much about what happened earlier in the season. I don't. When it comes to evaluating what's going to happen moving forward, like this is a different Celtics team than what we saw previously. So it's it's now a matter of can they sustain this? You know, can they keep this up with the ball movement? Like Robert Williams didn't play last night, but I love, I love the Time Lord fit with those starters, just being able to dump the ball to him and how quick he makes decisions on the floor. Sometimes when he's underneath the rim and it's just he grabs an offensive rebounds and just immediately, decisively finds a guy outside or finds a cutter. It's the same thing with Luke Cornett. I can't believe I'm saying that. Luke but, Cornett. But, but Luke Cornett looks pretty good with the bench unit with Romeo Langford out there and some of those guys. Like, it's a good unit. And it just, it, it feels like a different team. Nobody would, no, I tell you this, you couldn't find a Celtic fan that would say, all right, uh, if the Bulls called today and said, we'll give you a Tice for Cornett. Yeah, you couldn't find a Celtics fan that would give up Cornette for Tice. Yeah. I think, which is I think you, hilarious. I think you some, oh yeah, exactly. You would have ha- ha- had some Celtics fans who were happy to give up Tice, but they'd be like, "For Cornette, <laughs> <laughs> that, that would be the response." <laughs> like, I want mean. to get Time Lord minutes, but for Cornette, it's but it's mean. working out, man. Like Cornette's shooting yeah. and the, the quick decision making, like I mentioned with Time Lord passing, it's impressive. And, and like I said, this feels like a different Celtics team, and. How can they sustain it? I don't know. Will they sustain it? I don't know. But I feel pretty good about where they're at. And I think about when Evan Fournier comes back, he's going to be coming back to a team that's moving the ball. It's crisp with its actions, moving the ball side to side, playing together and adding a shooter like Fournier who can hit threes for you, who can pull up from mid range, get to the rim a little bit. It makes them very interesting, Chris. Well, I mean, you know, where are you at with them? Like, do, I think there was sleeper potential. I think they're going to end up at four. Mm-hmm. After all things are said and done, you end up at four. I would say a couple things. Um, yes, they have gotten going. They have, I think, presented rather not them. He individually has sometimes there's excuses and sometimes there's reasons and you can decide, you can delineate between them for yourself. But when Tatum says, I have been messed up by this COVID yeah, thing and exactly. I've been I've been taking an inhaler and I've never taken an inhaler in my mm-hmm. whole life, that's not an excuse. That's a reason. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like, so if we're saying why wasn't Jason Tatum or why hasn't he been having you know, the season that we've kind of expected him to have. Um, and even, you know, you had chronicled on in ISO situa- situations. You know, we had kind of thought when we saw Tatum, the tail half of last year and then the bubble, it's like, okay, this dude's moving into a different stratosphere. And then it didn't happen this year in that in that way. And you question, like, why? And I do think that is a... It is more than a legitimate reason as to why um, that they would have that that he would have not had the season maybe that we would have expected because when the guy says I'm I'm taking an inhaler and I've never taken an inhaler an inhaler in my life um, that makes a big difference um, yeah, and as time. I mentioned fair is fair they have lost more games than anyone I believe. The Celtics are first, the Mavericks are second, the Raptors are third um, this year. But And it's by a pretty significant margin. I mean, as I mentioned earlier, there have been 147 players missed time for COVID protocols. Uh, player days, that is, uh, let's see, 1,449 player days. But the Celtics have lost more so Celtics were are, are number one, and then the uh, and then the Mavericks are number two in terms of games missed, player games missed. The Celtics, uh, okay. So I just said Mavs are one eighteen. The Celtics are a tick under one forty. So you're talking about one hundred and thirty eight, probably. Yeah, roughly. It's a lot. Yeah, I mean one hundred thirty eight games. Mm-hmm. Yes, extreme. So I do. That's why I say. I, I can I if you want to convince me that 
they're this team that they are right now, that this is a lot more indicative of what they are than what they were for the first 50 games of the season. I buy it. Yeah. Yeah. I think so too. And it, it, we'll see how they sustain it. They could always fall back and regress to what they were before, but this just seems like a different team. They're nine and three since the trade deadline and they have the fourth best net rating in basketball since the deadline. Maybe things change and maybe they fall off the rails again. And, you know, people are talking about where is this team? What is this team? But they look different. That That's all I'll say. And it's worth monitoring that they could be the sleeper of the East. Last year, we saw Miami go all the way to the finals and upset their way there. If there's a team that were to do it this season, Boston would be the team that I'm looking at most right now. Well, and I, I wouldn't pick them over Brooklyn. I wouldn't pick them over Philly or Milwaukee. But upsets happen. Well, when you have those two guys who can go off any night. Upsets can happen. They this, can is happen. What, this is what I would be rooting for. I will be rooting for. And I think this is going to actually happen. Brooklyn ends up with the best regular season record this year. Okay. They don't seem to care too much about getting that. <laughs> no, but I'm saying, I'll just say they do. Okay. Let's say they Let's do. Say okay. They do. Mm-hmm. That's my, I'm, t- I'm giving you my dream scenario. Okay. All right. That they get one. I think when it's all said and done, Boston's going to be four and Miami's going to be five. So we get a first round Miami Boston and the winner of that goes and plays Brooklyn. Mm. Meanwhile, it's Sixers, Bucks, Ooh. Embiid versus Giannis. That, that would, be, would be a dream second round that is absolutely plausible. I could, I could totally see that happening. In fact, I do think I think I think the Celtics will end up four, and the and the Heat will end up five at the end of this, and then I don't know. Six through ten. Uh, you know, we'll see. We'll see. Miami's lost two in a row. I know. You know, Knicks are winning games, baby. Four I know. in a row. I'm just saying <laughs> when it all <laughs> when we play when we play the whole thing out, we're gonna look up at the end of the year and the top five that we said were the top five and everybody said are the top five are gonna end up with the five best records. We'll There's see about Miami. I, I mean, I, I think they'll end up five or six. I mean, I don't see them staying in seven. But we'll see. Atlanta's been playing well. New York's been playing well. It's possible. Those teams aren't as good as Miami, though. You know that. Yeah, I agree. They're not. You yeah. know, standings are tight. I'd pick yep. Miami, too, but we'll see. Um, the, other, uh, the other thing that took place last night is a big DeAndre Ayton game, but more importantly, when you check the standings this morning, and I feel like this has not, it, it's really gone under the radar this year that Phoenix is 40 and 15. <laughs> it has. Yeah. I know that that I feel like because they're in first, the jazz obviously have been omnipresent in conversation, but how much, I don't feel like the Suns on a regular basis. It, in many cases, it's kind of out of sight, out of mind. They never really, they, they certainly don't get on national TV much at all. And they are in second place in the Western conference with a crazy ass record. I mean, 40 and 15 is... That's a 60-win pace, Chris. It's a 60-win pace. Yeah, 82-game season, that's 60-win pace. Which is crazy. 59.6 to be specific for anybody right. who's, who needs decimals. <laughs> right. But if it's a... So a 60-win pace, and yet I don't feel like... I don't, I don't think the average fan has an awareness that they're 40 and 15. Well, Chris, those fans aren't listening to our pods. I know. They're not not reading the ringer.com with Suns features and videos. I know. I know. I know, like our pod, we love the Suns. Someone tweeted me last night that I should have a like an only Suns fans page. (laughs) 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 Only Suns. Only only Suns fans, yeah. (laughs) Not bad. I don't, I mean, you can probably find five, five people to pay for it. (laughs) <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, if that, uh, what's the, what's yeah, the chick's name? Right. The, uh, come, uh, what, what was she, What did she say? What's the girl that, was, that got famous from Dr. Phil? I don't know. Oh, come on. Oh. You know who I'm talking about. Yeah, What's that, yeah, what's that yeah. girl's name? They said she uh, made like a million dollars. Meet me outside, girl. Yeah, she has like a new catch name me now, out, right? Catch me outside. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she, yeah, that's um, right. <laughs> that girl, you made like a million bucks in like two seconds. On OnlyFans or whatever, right? Yeah. I, I, that's what I'm saying. If she could make a million, you could probably find five guys to give you five bucks. 
Yeah, make, make, make a couple hundred. Yeah. yeah. Just put it into Dogecoin. Uh, only, um, only put it into Dogecoin. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, wish I, I wish I started this back in January or to February. To the moon! Huh? A, 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 little late, a little late here, but that's that's beside the point. But we're not late on the Phoenix Suns, though, are hey, we, Chris? We're early. Me. No, we're uh, early we're adopters. Yes. Uh, dude, I'll tell you this. As good as I thought that they were going to be this year, and I did think they were going to be really good, they are, as of right now, one game back from Utah. They could end up with the number one seed in the Western Conference. I feel like that is not a thing right now. They are one game. We could look up, and by the time we're doing Tuesday's show, they could be in first place mm-hmm. in the Western Conference. And then you would see a barrage of Suns features and, you know, it's been great. Mikkel Bridges has been great. Not you're going to see all kinds of it, but I don't feel like it's been nearly as big a story as a team that has sucked for 15 years being the two seed. I don't know. I mean, like Woj just had Bridges on his pod. I know. It's not like Zach Lowe hasn't talked about the Suns on his pod or wrote about him in 10 things or throughout the season. But I think your point is they're not being talked about like on the mainstream shows, like first take. You know, it's yeah, quite as much. Or even yeah, like it, when you're watching TNT. Yeah, it's on TNT like, with yeah, like halftime shows. You hear, I mean, I just feel like, I, you know, look, I take in a tremendous amount of NBA information mm-hmm. every day of my life. And so I'm, sponge, scanning, I'm scanning through all kinds of websites and I watch all kinds of programming. And they like, I do hear a lot about the jazz. I do. I don't hear I don't hear about the Suns much. You know, you know what I'd love to see? And this is an idea I'm putting out there for anybody who wants to take it. I don't have the time for it. But you know how during like like during like a, a US presidential election year, they have like TV time, like, you know, amount of times like so and so candidate's name is said. Oh, yeah, yeah. Versus so and so candidate's name. I'd love to see that for like NBA topics. <laughs> like how like how many minutes are spent in the Phoenix Suns compared to the Utah Jazz versus the Clippers versus the Nuggets? Like a Western oh, Conference oh, look. Oh, I, okay, you know I, I mean? miss, I misunderstood. So when they yeah, at the end of a debate, they chronicle yeah. how much time was talking about yes. homelessness and, and, and the, that. And because like sometimes like we'll get a tweet saying you guys really didn't spend a minute on this. Yeah, it's like people listen for it. And I'd love to see the data behind it. You know, like what what did we spend the most minutes on during yep. the season? Like I'd love to see it for ourselves uh, internally, and I'd love to see it from other programs. I too, will say we get know? complimented a lot about hitting a we massive do. amount of things as compared to I don't know what people normally take in, but that I I, I do have an awareness that the major topics around are going to be the major teams, right? So you're going to hear a ton about the big the big markets and the stars and their teams, you know, more so we try to hit uh, as many as we possibly can, uh, given whatever is going on that particular week or since we have last spoke a a few days prior to. Um, And this is sort of the reason, you know, like, with the ringer, they wanted to do ringer and be university with me, Jay mm-hmm. Kyle, man, and Jonathan Sharks is to have a pod specifically focused on some of those younger guys that may not get as much of like an in-depth conversation on, you know, our show or other shows, oh, because like there's sure, so much, because, there's so much else to talk about. Like we well, do talk about it, but we're not going to spend 15 minutes on Poku, you know, no, we'll spend two or three. Eh, maybe not two or three. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I did make an eight-minute video, though, Chris. I know you did. I couldn't believe it was that short. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> We have that rigor university so that you could uh, talk about these guys. I think it, there is a lot of wisdom in that because the truth of the matter is, if the standard is, and it's not across the board, but the standard is, yeah, typically the teams that have very high draft picks that people would like to hear about their development, they're not any good. That's why they got to draft so highly, <laughs> you know, the year before. The reason you get Anthony Edwards is because you sucked the year before um, and, and on and on. Generally, if you've got a top 10 pick on your team, you probably don't have a good team. Now that has changed more recently because the Hornets were good this year. Um, you know, Pelicans have been okay. The Grizzlies have been okay. Like those are teams that got top two picks last year. Wiseman, you know, the Warriors through those circumstances got that pick and they've been around a 500 team. But yeah, 
like you're not going to hear about friggin' Isaac Okoro because I, I don't know any shows outside of Cleveland that are going to spend a lot of time on analyzing how the how the Cavs have been, you know. Well, I mean, recently. maybe we should. Darius Garland's been pretty pretty nice. You know, they're, I was saying, looking yeah. at it this morning. I was laughing about this. They're not far out of ten. No, they're not. And the reason I was looking at that is because I talked about this on Tuesday after seeing them in person. Kevin, I told you, I said, this team, there's something, this ain't right. And I'd seen Chicago, and then they got mm-hmm. their ass kicked by Orlando. And now the, out. In the Wendell Carter uh, revenge game. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and now Levine's out. This is a nightmare to make the deal that they did and then have it play out this way. And I know you can look at it long-term, but they made win-now moves. And instead, they're going to lose now. And now they're going to lose even more because he they've just built their whole team around this 30 points per game that Levine scores, and now you're just going to extract that from the lineup. They're in, they're in, they're in big trouble. You know what? Um, like you said, this could be for the best long term. You fall into the lottery. Maybe you get lucky, end up with the first pick or the fourth pick. Who knows what happens? On no, no, no. I meant the trades could be because uh, well, they know, look like, terrible I, now. I know, but I'm saying like long term, I'm saying yep. first, like it could be for the best. Mm-hmm. But considering the fact that one of the reasons why you made this deal to win now is because Bradley Beal's not the only free agent in 2022. Mm. Zach Levine is too. Mm. And Zach Levine is going to be a guy that a lot of teams would love to have on their roster. And so if you're Chicago, you better start winning soon. That's one of the reasons why you make that deal is to build a winner around Zach Levine, a player that you want to keep in Chicago long-term. And so to your point, Chris, like this is worrisome. Yeah. It could be for the best. If you get Cade Cunningham, like that would be awesome. Like, wow, what a perfect fit. Cade Cunningham would be, but Mm -hmm. there's such a small percent chance of that happening that you don't know. That's actually the path that you're going to go down. This could be a very, very bad beginning for what they had planned for. And it already is a bad beginning. I am not casting aspersions, but I am going to state a point of fact. And the point of fact is this. Daniel Tice left the Boston Celtics, and they have gone to the moon. (laughs) Daniel Tice put on a Bulls jersey, and they have gone in the absolute crapper. Now, again, I'm not casting aspersions. I am just stating a fact. And I think it would not be totally irresponsible to wonder if the subtraction of Daniel Tice sent the Celtics to a different place (laughs) and the attainment of Daniel Tice had sent the Bulls to a different place than than they were before. I'm just stating point of fact. You know who they need? They need Luke Cornett. (laughs) (laughs) That, That passing touch. Luke Cornett. You could. I mean, you know he what? Look, he hey, looks good. All right. So, hey, <laughs> he that's, hey, that's he the does. negative. Let's do the positive. I'll, let me, I'll flip it. I'll do the positive side. You know, since they lost Luke Cornett, the Bulls have gone to hell in a handbasket. <laughs> and since Boston got him to the moon. So mm. maybe Cornett's the key. So maybe my, the first part of that was obviously my my first fact that I stated was the negative side of it, and maybe that was improper. We'll just do the positive. Man, the Bulls didn't know how much they were going to miss <laughs> Cornette and just his locker room present, if nothing else. And then obviously the leadership, the, the right? You got to have that leadership. The infusion of energy that there has been in the Celtics. Uh, because of the sheer mm. uh, presence of Luke Cornett has and, been extreme. And we cannot forget the loss of Wendell Carter Jr. Oh, yeah. This who has who, been he, outstanding. Been <laughs> no, he's been really good yes, for, uh, yeah. for for the Magic. Orlando, yeah. It's, it's lovely to watch, actually. I love watching Wendell Carter Jr. It's, it reminds me of Duke, Wendell Carter. Say, it's great. I, let, me, let me say this. It is funnier than hell that they got all those friggin' draft picks and they made those trades and unloaded their whole damn team and they have somehow gotten better. Mm. 
Orlando um, is competitive. I, I mean, Orlando. Like they is, are. They lost like six games in a row before the win against Chicago. But I know, they, but they, you, they got blown out a couple times, Chris. A couple of times. By and large, though, they started out three, right, three times. I guess look I'm right at the after the trade times. deadline. Look right, <laughs> look right after the trade deadline, oh, yeah. though. I know. They, since then, not they terrible. Are, well, not terrible. They, they've won three of their last ten, so they oh, haven't been good. They, worse than I thought. Yeah, they they've lost. They got smoked by Utah, smoked by Washington, by Milwaukee and San Antonio. But those are all what I expected. I know, I know. When they play another rat team like the Bulls, they bust their ass. Another rat team. I love that phrase. Yeah. Let me throw that out there. Rat I guess, team. I guess a Wizards, you <laughs> could say they're a rat team, but they're not. They're, they, they've been playing unlike they're, a rat team recently. Compete for playing tournament spot, Chris. They may get there, too, because the Bulls, could. Bulls are in trouble, man. Mm, they are. I mean, especially we don't know how long Levine's going to be out. When you look at the flip side, there's another team in the Western Conference did the same damn thing. They tried to get better with the trade deadline. They said, you know what? We're not going the opposite direction. We're going to try to win now. Sacramento. And it's yeah. nine in a row losses. Horrendous. Yeah. I mean, again, it's happening while Fox is having some games where he's just going off. Oh yeah. It's disappointing. They tried to win now. They tried to win now and it's, it's gone totally the opposite direction. Like that is, these two are cautionary tales. The Bulls and the Kings. And that's before Levine got hurt, by the way, right? Because it's going to look worse now that Levine got hurt. But they are cautionary tales of this first year, where if you're in the if you're in the top ten, you got a crack at it. And they are teams that in another year would not have said we're going to make some moves right now to try to bolster for this season, not looking two years, three years up. We're going to try to do this for right now. And it is, it, it, it becomes a cautionary tale because they, they both have gone the exact wrong direction while possibly mortgaging some of their future. You and I both had our Wendell Carter stock. And I'm telling you, if Wendell Carter ends up being a fantastic player in this league for, you know, the next seven, eight years, it will not be shocking to me. And by that time, Busevich is, he's retired, you know? And so you make moves for the here and now and, uh, you know, to, to get to what? To get to 10? To get to, you're not getting to six, right? You're not guaranteeing your spot. So you're, you're just trying to get to nine or 10 to give yourself a chance at it. And that's why with Chicago, it's about, Levine, it's about trying to maximize him and keep him long term because he's still young himself, you know. So you want to keep him. And for Sacramento, it's about even though Fox just signed his deal, it's about keeping him happy and trying to win with that him. That is like, a more you know? important point, Kev. Which is, and you brought this up with Levine, and you're right. Which is, it's not just about the ten; it's about the getting these guys to believe that you're mm-hmm. on to something, and that at least if you get them to that moment and they lose that moment, then they can put it on themselves. If they're not even part of that moment, they blame the franchise. And it will not be long until those sack guys all start asking. I mean, you already saw with Bagley earlier in the year before he got hurt. You get, And it, it's, it'll come down the pike with Heald. It'll come down the pike with Fox. You know, they're going to be watching uh, Bogdanovich playing in the playoffs this year. And it's going to be annoying as hell to them. It is. Yep. You know, did, did you see after the, the game the other day, I think it was after the, uh, the wizards game mm-hmm. that the Kings lost Fox just looked so deflated yeah. after the game. He had 33 points or f- I forget if it was the right. game against the Pelicans when he had 43 or the game against the wizards when he had 33, but either way, he just looks so disgusted after the game. And this isn't like national media trying to get De'Aaron Fox out of Sac- Sacramento. It's just stating the reality here is that. There's a super talented player in De'Aaron Fox who's averaging nearly 30 points per game over the last couple of weeks, and his team is losing nine games in a row for the second time this season. This is the second time the Kings have lost nine in a row this season. How do you think that makes that guy feel? Eventually, at some point, that guy's like, you know what? Screw this. I want to go somewhere else. And that's why Sacramento, like the decisions that they make moving forward here are about De'Aaron Fox and keeping him happy and making this team a winner with him because he's that good of a player and he's only getting better as a player. So, I mean, for Kings fans, I feel bad, dude. 
I feel so bad because it's not like there's too. not it's not like there's not talent on the team. Like Bogdan Bogdanovich was there <laughs> and he was had some great moments and then he goes to Atlanta and, and he's they even have, they he have so real many, fans. That hardcore fans. Yeah. Yes. Like yeah. real great fans. Real fans, passionate fans mm-hmm. that that want so badly for that thing to be different than it is. Exactly. And and the 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 hardest part, uh I I would think is, bro, you were so close, so close to breaking through under Jaeger. You were, you were, they were right there. They were like the tick under 500. And it was like, and then it start over again. New coach, new front office, new, I mean, and it's like, what the, we had just gotten, you had just gotten to the precipice. I mean, you're right there. You're you're one of the teams that you, you, you know. This is the trajectory of a team. You suck. You suck. You suck. You start to not suck. Then you get better. Then you get better. And now they went straight back down to the bottom. It's crazy. Yeah, I mean, and all look, dude. It, it it's past mistakes. Dbots on the past front office taking Bagley over Luca. Mm. Simple as that. That was the mistake. There's no question. That was the mistake. And that's going to loom over them for many, many years to come, which is disappointing. It's disappointing. They would have been fine if they would have, because they, look, they were almost 500. Again, they would not be an outstanding team. I'm saying they would have been fine with Fox and Heald, the Bagley, and the injuries have killed Bagley. But they would have been fine with that core. And then they had Bogdanovich. They lost Bogdanovich for nothing. They, they, every decision they make is ridiculous. They bring in new crappy veterans every year that don't help them at all. They bring in Trevor Reza. They bring in Dwayne Dedman. They bring in Corey Joseph. They bring in. It's like, what? They just bring in dudes that they end up having to buy out. It's what they do in friggin' free agency every year. And and honestly, they this is Luke Walton's fault in, in many ways. That team is not as bad as they. It, it, that roster is not as bad. Uh, their record's worse than it should be this year. There's no doubt about that, especially when yeah. you've got Fox. I I don't know if I agree there personally. Oh, I mean, I mean, I'm not. I, I don't. I'm not the Luke Walton part. I'm talking strictly about the record. Mm. Like the West is loaded, man. Like there's so I many s- strong teams in the West. It's like they're behind New Orleans, San Antonio, Golden State, Memphis. Those are the four teams ahead of them. That doesn't surprise me personally. Maybe they could be a little bit better than 22 and 34. 25 and 31, you know, right around New Orleans record. But even then, I think New Orleans should be better than they are. Um, so I don't I don't think they're too far off in the standings from where I maybe would have expected. I just think the West is so freaking loaded. Hey, tonight's going to be a fun one. We're talking about teams battling to try to get to 10. There is a fun game tonight, uh, which could be super fun because it could end up having... I mean, if if you want to see a game that could feasibly have uh and let me make sure I'm right about this because I believe I saw it is happening tonight. Talking it New is. York Dallas? No, 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 no. A game that could have 300 points in it. The Wizards Pelicans. Oh yeah, yeah. That's another one. Yeah, those two. <laughs> like they're fighting for 10. They could for real have 300 points. If that game was 165 to 162, it would not surprise me. Neither of them play one lick of defense. And every time the ball comes out out of the net, they just take off, That'll and then they shoot one. indiscriminately, just whatever, <laughs> right? I, I can't. Yeah. That that is what I promise you. I am flipping on just because this is. It's going to look like something you see in a park. They should play that game at a park. They shouldn't even <laughs> play that in an NBA arena. Yeah, that that'll be a fun one. That's that's on seven p.m. tonight. Then the game I mentioned, Knicks Mavericks. Yeah, uh, that's at nine thirty national TV on ESPN. That that's another playing tournament game too. Yeah, Dallas at the seven right now. Yeah, New New York. They're not in the plan, but they're fighting to stay out of the plan. Yep. So both and Dallas still has you know there's a chance they could get to six. You know that's not uh, not out of the question for them. So also, and I dude, I was there. I was there the other night for the friggin' Luca game winner. Oh my goodness, dude. Bro. That was extraordinary. I've been in that arena 
I mean, there have been a lot of significant things that have happened in the arena, oddly, um, over time, where the air just completely comes out of the place. <laughs> I was there. There was a full Kentucky crowd for Kentucky. This is the Fox year, interestingly enough. Fox and Monk and and Bam Adebayo was, was on that team. I was in the arena, and there's a million Kentucky fans for Kentucky versus North Carolina. And Monk hits a three at the very end of the game to tie it. And they throw the ball in bounds. And it's the Luke May shot. Luke May hit a buzzer beater. And you could have heard a pin drop in that place. Like, it was it was just crazy. And another time was, there's the famous, there's a point guard at Memphis 100 years ago named Darius Washington. And they were playing Rick Pitino's Louisville team. And if Ed Calipari was the coach of, the, of, of Memphis. If they win, they're going to the NCAA tournament because they've won the conference tournament. If they lose, they're going to go to the NIT. And Darius Washington got fouled down two, got fouled at the buzzer. Freshman point guard. He was a McDonald's All-American. And they sent him to the free throw line. People can watch this on YouTube. It's the saddest thing you ever saw in your life. So if he hits three, they win. If he hits two, they tie. And he, he, uh, he makes the first one. He misses the second one. Oh, man. He misses the third one and hits all fours on, at the free throw line. I'm getting chills talking about it. And I, you could have heard a pin drop. And I think on the broadcast, wow. which I went back home and watched, I think it's Vern Lundquist or somebody says, somebody go help that kid because he's just on all fours. He's bawling his eyes out. It was the saddest thing ever. But I well, say... Technically, he like nobody around him either, too. I just pulled it up. No, it's the end of the game, bro. Yeah, end, end game. Yeah, like nobody's standing there for the rebounds. I'm it's saying. it. It's just him at the line and that's it. It's it. Wow. See, yeah, end of the yeah, game. I remember, I remember that. And yep. he, so yep. I was, I, I mean, I'm not far from that court when that happens. And again, pin drop, just like the Luke May thing. I'm, I say all that to tell you the other night, that Luca shot, pin drop stuff. Mm. Bro, when he hit that, it was like, <laughs> bro, what just happened? Yeah. Like, I thought he tied the game. No lie. Yeah, in real the way time, he floated forward, yeah, right? He yeah, was yeah. under the basket. <laughs> I'm like, oh, he hit a floater. And then when I saw his foot behind the line as he released it, I was like, dude, I have never in my life seen some crap like that. Mm -hmm. That was true <laughs> Luca magic. It true. was, man. I <laughs> saw it right in front of my face and still, I mean, stunning. Um, and that was a massive game because they're only a half game up on Memphis if they lose that game. And instead moved to two and a half up. And you mentioned tonight they've got the Knicks. It's a little uh, Porzingis revenge, too. Yeah. Every time yeah. they play against the Knicks, they only see him twice mm -hmm. a year. He's injured all the time, so I can't imagine he's played against the Knicks that many times since he's been in Dallas. Because he hadn't played against anybody that many times since he's been in Dallas. Uh, I'll tell you what, Chris, with Luka taking that floater, According to Synergy, he shoots 55% on runners this season. And, and all of those yep. are taken from mid-range. Yeah. But that's like an absurdly high percentage. You saw a guy in Mike, yeah. Mike Conley who drained floaters after floaters for many, many years yes. in the NBA. I'm not saying guys are going to start taking floaters from the three-point line. But for somebody like Luca, it's intriguing. Oh, stop we, 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 it. Uh, I'm, stop. Why? Because that was a one in a million shot. That oh, wasn't. I, I know, but like, because he was falling over and he had to take it, but he could. It was lucky circumstances, but skill to take advantage of those circumstances. <laughs> like he has that skill and that touch to actually even be able to hit that shot when he's off balance falling. He down. said he wasn't even looking at the rib. But some people, <laughs> I mean, some people just have that ability, man. Like some people just have the ability to put the ball where they want to put it. Some don't. And Luca's one of those guys who can. Like he's a special player. He really is. This is why people say Luca magic. This is why people say Luca legend. Cause he, those players, those level of talents are capable of those special moments where you're just like, what? <laughs> Cause it's not just luck. It's a combination of luck and skill that work together in those moments that make for that pin drop moment. You know, 
We got very sad news this week since we last spoke on the LaMarcus Aldridge front because he retired because he had he was scared about uh, a heart condition. He had felt it. um, He had felt it beating irregularly in in their last game that he played, and so he makes the decision to hang it up. This is not something that you want to mess with. Um, and we've seen this happen before with players, uh, with the blood clotting issue. It ended Chris Bosch's career, uh, when Bosch absolutely could have played more years, um, than he did, but your heart is not something that you, you you can mess around with. And it was kind of sad, honestly, to read the Aldridge, uh, to, to read the note, you know, and it, it is one of those moments where, you say, geez, uh, uh, it's pretty profound when he's talking about you never know when it's over. He certainly was never expecting that to be his last game. And we talk so many times about not taking things for granted, and it kind of gave you that sense as you read his stuff. Um, Marcus Aldridge had absolutely no idea that that was going to be the last basketball game he played in. None. And next thing you know, it is. You know? It reminds me of Vince Carter's last game being the shutdown. That's right. They, like you never expected that to be VC's last game. Granted, he hit the three and all that became a memorable, nice night for him to en- end his career that way. But just you don't know when it's going to end, you know, in any way. And it's sad way. because I, um, I actually uh, we we're driving home. I was driving my home, son home from his baseball practice yesterday, and I was telling him about the Aldridge news and um, and. I told him two stories of which he uh, he was unaware. Uh, I told him about Reggie Lewis, um, and I told him about Hank Gathers, and those two things. And I was like, you know, this has happened before, where you know, undetected, and then a guy is playing and they have died, and you know, that is so terrifying. And there have been examples in the past of something like that happening. And so Aldridge. Uh, wish him well in his retirement. Um, I thought it was interesting to see uh, Damian Lillard coming out yesterday. He's posting about him, posting pictures, you know, of them. And, you know, I think he did have one kind of cryptic caption, which is like what might have been type of thing, which is an acknowledgement that that did not work out like it should have. Um, And... You know, he said that they should retire his number in Portland, whatever. And the reason that that was so interesting to me is because that did go sour there. And a, a lot of it was Lillard was the new dude in town. You know, like LaMarcus Aldridge had been the guy, been an all-star, whatever. And you go around town and all the billboards are all of a sudden Damian Lillard. And, you know, Damian Lillard, Damian Lillard, Damian Lillard. And he's got, you know, Adidas is promoting him and everything else. And I think that it was it was hard for Aldridge, like kind of the, what about me? You know what I mean? I've been the guy here for a long time and nobody gives a crap about me anymore. And like you can see how jealousy, resent, ego gets involved in that kind of stuff. But I'll tell you how bad it was. Kevin, when they played here, the, the year that the Grizzlies knocked out Portland, I don't know, maybe, like it that was the end of the Aldridge thing, he took a separate flight home than the team. The Marcus Aldridge did. He took a separate flight home from the team. That's how bad that ended. And so that's why it was so interesting to me to see Damian Lillard come out yesterday as one of the major voices about that, about, you know, hey, they should retire his jersey, you know, wish him well in his retirement post the pictures with him and everything else because sometimes things don't go well at all and yet as time passes and especially with something like this which is not tragedy you know because he didn't die or anything but it's it's upsetting yeah. you know for him to have to hang it yeah. up you yeah, know after awful. time passes it, it it elicits a kind of response that i i wouldn't have expected necessarily i didn't yeah. know how things were with them yeah, you know. I mean he he yeah, I mean all Aldridge has had those heart issues for quite some time now yep. and seemed like it was under control, but I I'm glad that he's being proactive and putting family first, putting yep. himself first, ultimately his own health. Um sad, it sucks. I mean, I, I was looking forward to seeing him in that environment with uh the Brooklyn Nets and seeing how things developed there for him in his own career to get a chance to make a deep playoff run again. 
like he did some years with Portland. So, you know, it's disappointing, but I'm just glad he's making the call that's best for his health and his future. Yep. Uh, all right. Before we get out of here, you did an eight minute video on Poku. Oh, you know what? We're all, we are out of time. Um, <laughs> all right. So you can, uh, <laughs> people can check that out on the Ringers YouTube page. Just search for, uh, Alexei Pogushevsky, the void. <laughs> Did you it, see it's just, it? Tell me you saw that that text I sent you yesterday. Yeah, yeah the the po- Poku propaganda. When, what no, would that be? No, no, no. I was watching. So Kevin's video on YouTube. If uh, whatever I searched for the Poku video, one of the videos that popped up underneath it. Oh was yeah, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. the front of the the front of the video says, yeah. "Somebody teach this guy about food," and it's a Poku video. I I watched that one too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hey man, he he's seven feet, 190 pounds. He'll add weight over the years to come. Not too much though, because you don't want him to lose his speed yep. and quickness and fluidity, Chris. Hey. <laughs> but he's got some did you watch the video? They've got time and they're developing him. Dude, Poku's you know I mean? got do. some skill. I, he I, does. I thought I thought it was a fun video. It wasn't like overly serious deep analysis. He does it have some skill. Yeah, like it was just about like here's this seven footer who's a rookie and has this weird game that's fun to watch. He that's is what fun. The is about so yeah, so go go check out the video. He is super fun to watch. I yeah, really I, I I I yeah. do believe that he mm-hmm. is an interesting yes. NBA player. Exactly. If that was the point nothing of the video, else, really, yeah. we'll see what his ceiling is. He is fun to watch. It's just no like Taco. Taco's fun. Yeah. It's like they're like you don't see anything like them. That's what makes the NBA. That's why the NBA has always sort of been my favorite sport. Cause you have like the extremes of humanity. We mm. have like some like five foot six yes. players, like Earl Boinkins of the world, the eight Robinsons. But then you have like Taco Fall. That's right. And you have Yao Ming. Yes. And you have like super tall and skinny Alexei Pokrashevsky. It's just all these different types of people and players and styles all on the court. It's just such an awesome sport. I uh-huh. love it. Love talking about it with you too, Chris. We got a fun weekend and we got a lot of awesome games uh, that are going on tonight and this weekend. So hopefully there's not a lot of uh, load management that guys do play. I mean, look, there's like a Clipper Sixers game going on. There's that Pelicans uh, the Wizards foot race going on. There's the game you mentioned with the, the Knicks and Dallas. It's going to be, I know today uh, is going to be an amazing league pass day. And now, you know, like we're standings watching at least for the last 20 yeah. games of the season, right? I, I'm feeling good about the playing tournament. I know a lot of negative talk about it this week. Understandably so. People have their own thoughts, but I, I think the playing tournament is going to make for some fun basketball down the stretch. Me too. Uh, thanks to producer Sasha as always, and we will talk to you next week. Have a good one, everybody. Everybody.